Pastor Xavier Reese with this perspective on the true essence of faith. Be careful of the rituals that will entrap you to give you false assurance that you're a Christian or you're being obedient to God. Oh, I've been baptized. Oh, I, I go to church always or whatever it is. The rituals mean nothing if there's no real activity going on in my life regarding faith and trusting God. Make sure that it's happening in your heart. That's the main thing. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Let's face it. It's not too many weeks after a New Year's resolution is pledged that reality sets in as hearty resolve is rendered more of a good idea than a true life-changing commitment. Pastor Xavier says, if you want to change your life for the better, you'd better seek the truth of the only resolution that really works, the Word of God. So let's join him in the book of Joshua as he brings us the simple truths regarding true victory. Joshua chapter 5 we're going to be looking at verse 1 through 15. The message is entitled, The Secret to Be Conquerors. People want God to bless them and make them victorious throughout their lives. But they soon forget that God expects them to live by certain principles. The principles of Scripture are often forgotten and neglected by people, but not the expectation for God to keep on blessing them. Don't get me wrong. If we had to be perfect, God would never bless us then, but he does because of his mercy. But that doesn't change the fact that he expects us to live certain ways. It's very clear in Scripture. If we're going to be victorious in our lives and live abundantly, then it will have to be by living life his way, not our own way. They have crossed the Red Sea, deliverance from Egypt the world. They've crossed the Jordan, reckoning the old man, the walk, a life of faith. The charge is really to die to the flesh. The flesh cannot do what the spirit can. The flesh can only destroy you if we don't walk in the spirit. And so now God gives to Joshua some prerequisites before the conquest of Jericho. They've come over some big hurdles, but they're just still not ready. And he gives them to us here. Let me read our text. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the son of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers 
that he would give us a land of flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their place in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover on leavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversary? And he said, No. But as captain of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. The prerequisites before the conquest of Jericho are as follows. The recommitment to circumcision. The covenant of God, verse 1 through 9. The recommitment to the Passover of God, verse 10 through 12. And their recommitment to the leading of God, verse 13 through 15. These were absolute requirements before they could become conquerors of the land. These principles apply so much to our life still in the New Testament. Notice their recommitment to circumcision. The covenant of God was a foundation. This represents the cutting away of the flesh life. An outward physical surgery to demonstrate the evidence of the heart. Too often we get caught up with the outward ritual. And if it's not true in the heart, then it becomes hypocrisy and deception. Notice Verse 1 through 3, the command to be circumcised is given. In verse 1, the powerful work of God had prepared the way. Notice it's God all the way. They hadn't done anything up to this point. They still aren't doing anything. The news that God had uh, dried up the um, Jordan River at flood season put terror in the hearts of the kings of the Amorites and the Canaanites. None of their local gods had ever done anything like this. They had never heard of anything like this. Notice the hearts of all these kings melted as a result of this news. They were so fearful, they didn't even consider attacking. They didn't even consider even thinking that they could win. They had no courage to resist. They were defeated by the very news. But God had promised this back in the scriptures, Deuteronomy 2.25 and other passages. I'm going to put the fear of me in their heart. And so here, the perfect timing was decided by God. The command came from God in verse 2 and 3. This particular time, Yahweh said to Joshua, the vulnerability of the men during this surgical procedure, the enemy could have come out and killed them all. It was God's timing, a window time. Fear in their heart, they won't dare come out. 
How often it makes no sense to us when God says now. And you go, not now. Yes, now. Or God says not now. And we say, why not now? <laughs> and when we trust and obey, then we turn and say, Lord, you're so good. You're so wise. He says, remember that. <laughs> the command was make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. This is the point that's noted by many commentators that this is the Iron Age and God calls them to use flintstone. And they have big problems at times with this. Well, listen, the Iron Age started way before. It's back in Genesis. <laughs> before the flood, they were doing stuff that we don't even know about. They're using metals that we don't know about. Discoveries have shown that in Egypt, they, they were using electricity and low voltages. <laughs> People back before us were a lot smarter than we are on a different level. The command indicates notice the second time. It doesn't mean that the guys were circumcised one time, now they're going to circumcise again the second time. No. It's saying that the first time was back in Egypt. This is now the second time this ritual is being carried out. Look at verse 3. The command is obeyed by Joshua. Joshua made flintstones for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel. This is a general statement of confirmation for Joshua's obedience to God. There's no question. There's no nothing. He's just doing stuff. He's been proven to be a faithful servant all 40 years. Now he's a faithful leader. He's been commissioned. He's been good all along. Here he is again. Yes, Lord, whatever you say. He's obedient. Now the statement simply and clearly does not imply that Joshua circumcised all the men, but since he's the leader, that's the way it's summarized. Others also assisted. Notice we are given the location there in verse 3 also, where the rite was performed, the hill of the foreskins. Now, to us, it seems kind of grotesque and kind of disgusted, and we would want to hide all of this. But see, to the Israelites, it was a great idea because it represented the dying to the flesh life. They were coming out of the wilderness, and they say, yes, no more death. I don't want the wilderness anymore. To them, it was a memorial just like the erecting of the stones. It had meaning behind it. It had great significance. The mark of the people of God to live a pure life. Their history of this covenant was well known by all of them. Um, you remember that um, God gave this covenant to Abraham in chapter 16 of Genesis. And he did it at a time when Abraham and his wife Sarah thought they needed to help out God. God had promised them a son. Sarah was old. Past menopause, easy. Abraham, he's an old geezer also. And God says, you're going to have a son. But it's been many years. So they're roasting marshmallows one night in the fireplace. And Sarah says, you know what? God must mean that he wants you to take my young slave girl from Egypt, Hagar. And as the law permits, I'm going to give her to you. And you have a child by her. And I will raise the child myself. That's how God wants to do it. Because I haven't conceived. And so they had an Ishmael. I pray to God you don't have many Ishmaels in your life because they will turn around and bite you. Those are human decisions against the will of God trying to help God. All we have to do is look to the Middle East to see the problem they have been for Israel. 
it's still a problem. 13 years passed, God was silent, didn't even talk to Sarah and Abraham. 13 years of silence because they tried to help God out. And God promised and changed their names from father, exalted father, to father of multitudes, and Sarai to Sarah. And he says, you're going to have a son through her. His name is Isaac. Because you laughed and you don't believe it, his name's going to be laughter. Just like everybody else laughed. They come by and say, hey, can you have some coffee? Sure. What's your name? Abraham. Oh, how many children you have? None. Father of multitudes? You have no children? Well, I've got one on the way. But it was prophetic as the sands of the sea, as the stars of the heavens. Abraham was 99 when he was circumcised. Ishmael was 13. Today to the day, every Hebrew male child is circumcised after the eighth day they're born. Every Arab boy is circumcised at 13. If I was Arab, I'd be running away the night before. <laughs> the Jews always refer to the non-believer, the Gentile, as the uncircumcised. Circumcision separated to God. Uncircumcision apart from God. And so the reason is given to us in verse 4 through 7 for the command to be circumcised. All the people that came out of Egypt, the males, men of war, they died in the wilderness. By the way, they had come out of Egypt. They were circumcised. Everyone born in the wilderness was not circumcised. And again, it's the evidence of the flesh life. They had rebelled. The flesh always magnifies the past and the world after a while if we don't remember where we came from. They wanted the leeks. Oh, remember the melons. Oh, the onions. Oh, yes. Mmm. Cucumbers. Oh, we have this stinking manna. How we glorify everything so much. Oh, yeah, I remember those days. We used to have a good time. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you, you remember the leeks, the melons, but you forget the whip. You forget when you went to the party and you got drunk and you crashed your car and and you went to the hospital and you had to get your car out of impound and you had to get a lawyer $10,000 to defend yourself. Remember the whole story. <laughs> People objected the number of men that had to be circumcised, but remember that those who um, had survived from uh, birth to age 19 did enter the promised land, okay? And certainly there would be plenty of individuals. Kyle and Delage gives an estimated number, but it's irrelevant. God doesn't bother to give us the numbers. He says it took place. Now, Joshua circumcised their sons in verse 7, whom they had raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised the way. So all of the life of the wilderness was representative of the flesh life. And so God says, okay, you will not keep your heart circumcised to me, you're going to die in the wilderness, live by your flesh. And that's what it's going to represent. Those who were not circumcised were cut off from the nation. God told Abraham that back in Genesis 17, 14, and the law stated it very, very clearly. Uh, this ritual was so part of the people of God that even, remember the sons of Jacob, when their sister Dinah was defiled by Shechem and raped? 
that they made a covenant and said, okay, listen, if you, if you have all your men circumcised, then we'll give you our daughters and we'll take your daughters. And then when they all submitted to it, they came in on the days when they were the sorest and they wiped them out. They used the covenant of God as a plan of treachery. Pretty heavy. Sometimes we use the things of God just for our own benefit and we don't honor the things of God. We have to be careful. Notice in verse 8 and 9, the significance of the obedience to the command to be circumcised is given to us. In verse 8, regarding the present first, their submission to the Lord in a radical surgery in the present. Not one person complained. You read anything there? Not one murmur, not one objected. Pretty radical surgery. <laughs> you know what they said? We don't want to spend another 40 years in the flesh. We don't want the desert life anymore. When they saw the benefits, now they had crossed over compared to what had been forfeited. The choice was easy. Hmm. Their trust in God after the surgery is evident to protect them. They left themselves vulnerable here until they were healed. Their enemies is before them. God delivered us from Egypt through the Red Sea, across the Jordan in flood season. This is a piece of cake. Let's do it. <laughs> Listen, every time you trust God, it's the foundation for the next test. It's going to build your faith. It's going to be consistency in your life to trust God for the bigger things. There will be bigger things ahead in your life as well as mine. It's evidence of their heart. So regarding their present in verse 8. But notice also in verse 9 regarding their past. God rolled away the reproach of Egypt from them, it says here. Now, some say the reproach of Egypt is the fact that they were um, slaves in Egypt and that, but that's not really so. The reproach here has to do that he brought them into the land of promise. Think of the context here, okay? The reproach was that God promised that he was going to bring them into the promised land, and they never got to go in the land. And so the reproach was that they didn't receive the promise of God, and so they were mocked by people. All of a sudden, this generation has entered the land, and he removes the reproach of Israel here at Gilgal, which means rolling, because now they now are a people sanctified, consecrated, cutting away the flesh life, walking in the spirit, in, the, in faith, trusting God, and so therefore here they are no longer reproached. In fact, Moses reminded God of this when he said they were not going to enter the land. Exodus 32, 12, he tells them, Lord, you know, the people in the land are going to say, you know, because he couldn't bring them in the land, he just took them out and killed them. And like if God wasn't worried about his reputation. We're so worried. But Lord, you got to do this because I told people you can do anything, you know, and if you don't give me this house, this and that, he goes, shut up. Because often we're looking for our own benefit. God's reputation is impeccable. He always comes through. But you know what? Listen, he may not come through in my lifetime. But he'll come through. You understand? I am not all of time. <laughs> God works at his own time. But he will always be faithful. Exodus 32, 12, Numbers 14, 13 through 16, Deuteronomy 9, 28. We have it three times, God. Moses is telling God, but God, but God, you know, they're going to say this and that. 
<laughs> They're going to say you couldn't fulfill it. The reproach is rolled away, what Gilgal means, because now they entered the land. God fulfilled his promise. They're going to be circumcised. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life have and continue to destroy lives of people continually. And it's perfectly described by the uh, statement of General Charles de Gaulle. Listen to it. We have no friends. We have interests, said General Charles de Gaulle while president of France. What did this mean? Simply that France's relationship with other nations could only be decided around her interests, commercial advantages or disadvantages. Well, at least they're consistent. But de Gaulle was only stating the nature of man. It's always what's in it for me. That's the flesh. The flesh will be polite to get what it wants. The flesh will be patient. It will be a perfect gentleman. But the flesh always has a target. Always a goal. The circumcision of the Christian is that of the heart. We're not under the physical surgery. Acts 15, the first church council, there was a debate about what they're going to do with these Gentiles, and the Jews tried to lay a heavy trip on keeping the law. Uh, circumcision was a key issue, but it was never even discussed. At the end, they said, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that no greater burden be placed upon them except they keep themselves from blood, strangled things, and idols, and that they do this, and fornication, they do well. Be careful of the rituals that will entrap you to give you false assurance that you're a Christian or you're being obedient to God. Oh, I've been baptized. Oh, I, I go to church always. Or, you know, I, I've, I've, I've done this thing and whatever it is. The rituals mean nothing if there's no real activity going on in my life regarding faith and trusting God. Paul the Apostle in Romans 2, 25 through 29 makes this perfectly clear. He says, you know, those Jews that are circumcised, if they're not living unto God, God looks upon their circumcision as uncircumcision. And those men who are not circumcised as Gentiles, and if they're living to God in faith through Christ, then God looks upon them as the true circumcision because he looks at the circumcision of the heart. Romans 4, 9 through 13 says that it's the seal of the covenant. Galatians 5, 1 through 4, he speaks about the circumcision. At the end of the, the book, he says uh, that's the only thing that God honors, the circumcision of the heart. In fact, we are the circumcision not made with hands, but without hands, Colossians 2, 11 says. We, by faith through Christ, have reckoned ourselves dead, and now we trust him to live a sanctified life set apart for him. But see, that was always the principle. Back in Deuteronomy 10, 16, Moses says, circumcise your hearts. So in other words, be careful of rituals that you're looking to give you assurance that you are a Christian, that you are trusting God. Make sure that it's happening in your heart. That's the main thing. The circumcision of the heart pleases God. It obeys Him. It's sensitive to Him. It's committed to Him. Not that we're perfect, for we're not teaching perfection or sinless perfection as we've started First John. You know that. That's a Gnostic heresy, and people still teach it today. You will never be perfect. You will never be sinless. But you can hit the mark now. You can resist sin. God required a recommitment to circumcision, the covenant of God. The covenant of God. Pastor Xavier Reese 
sharing the simple truths of living our life by God's standards, not our own. And this message can be heard again anytime by clicking on the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Just browse for today's date. You can also request a copy of the entire unedited presentation titled The Secret to Be Conquerors. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you share this study with someone who could use some words of encouragement. Now, the title to ask for once again is The Secret to Be Conquerors. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Do you want to be a winner in life? Find out how when you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he brings God's plan for true victory right here next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 